Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. And now, here is Pastor Anthony Riley. Let's dive in. morning, Sunrise Family. How you doing? You guys can do better than that. How you doing this morning? My name is Anthony Wright, one of the pastors at Sunrise Church. I'm so excited to be closing out the series, Counterfeit. Uh, whether you're in here online, God has a word for you. And we've been challenging you this entire month of October to read the book of James. We encourage you to read it over and over and over and over again. And I challenge you to read it in different translations. Why? So that you can get the heartbeat of what the writer was trying to express to the people in that day. They were facing prosecution and they didn't know what was going to happen on the next day and they were trying to figure life out. And they only said, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to throw in the towel. I'm finished. But then James, recognizing that, he said, wait a minute. Just wait one second. We serve a God who is more powerful than anything that you can encounter. So he began to inspire them and encourage them, but also challenging them to remember who they were and whose they were. And I don't know if you're in here this morning, you're trying to figure life out and you're about to give up. I want to take the words of James to inspire you and encourage you, but most importantly, to transform your thinking because the trouble is not going to go away. So you and I must lean in to what God is calling for you in this season. And then remember, he will walk alongside you because he's a God that won't uh, forsake us. Amen? So before I get started, I want to pray for you. Uh, I want to pray that God open your heart. I want to pray that God will meet you right where you are. I want to pray that whatever you came into this house with, that you put it at the throne of Jesus. Because we want to speak the name of Jesus. We want to speak the name of Jesus in every situation you may find yourself in. So whether it is a broken relationship, a situation where you don't know what's going to happen in your life, I want you to know that Uh, Jesus is in the midst and despite the winds and the rains and the storms and the tornadoes God can meet you in that place would you pray for me or pray with me rather Father God we thank you in the name of Jesus we're thankful Father God because you have a word that's for us I pray Father God that you meet each person here in that place, Father God, I pray that they will open up their hearts and their minds, Father God, I pray that they will allow you into their space, Father God, that they will begin to remove the walls and the barriers, Father God, so that they can hear a word from you today. But as the writer, writer James says, 
may they not just be a hearer, but they will be a doer as well. We submit ourselves to you. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. And we all say, amen. You know, as a pastor, I have the privilege of praying for you all who put in prayer requests. Every week we challenge you, if you have a concern or an issue, and you need someone to come alongside you, please write down your prayer requests so that we can pray for you. We have amazing volunteers and staff that comes alongside you every week and pray for you. It is in that space where God wants to speak to you this morning. And I want to read a couple of the prayer requests because uh, I want to know if these resonate with you. Now, I'm not going to say the people's names because that's confidential. But I want to know if maybe, just maybe, you can identify with the prayers. One of the prayers was just this past week. My mother was just diagnosed with breast cancer. And we don't know what to do. Please pray that God will heal her. Another prayer was, my parents' health is diminishing. My mother and my father are going through this health crisis, and we just don't know what to do. So we're trying to seek out caregivers. God, would you please intervene and help us in that process? We have another here where a mother is crying out to God, asking for him to intervene with the daughter and her, and that God will open the communication so that they can have a healthy relationship because she just wants the best for her daughter. This one hit me hard. It says, my father is suffering from dementia and it's getting worse. Times are so hard. I'm praying that God would give us peace of mind and a direction and wisdom in this season of our lives. Can you relate to that? Now, I don't know if this came from a parent or a kid. This person's asking, please pray that God will help us with our Little League baseball. (laughs) What's interesting about that is it doesn't matter how big or how small your prayer request is. The truth is it matters to you. And God doesn't mind you bringing all those requests to him. But for me as a pastor, we don't decide what's important and what's not important. We just want to come alongside and say we're with you in the fight. And when I read these writings and I sit there and pray, I can feel the emotions and the feelings of the person who's writing these prayer requests And I began to ask God, I need you to intercede because they're in great need. Where are you at this morning? What did you bring into the room? What are you asking God for? But most importantly, does it align with his word? But most importantly, he wants to come alongside you. And that's what James is trying to get across to the people who scattered Men and women have been taken out of their homes. Some have been beaten, some have been persecuted, some have been killed. Some are on the run and they're trying to figure out, is it worth it? You told me, Pastor, if I come to church and I come to the altar, everything will be okay. 
It doesn't feel like it. It seems when I say yes to Jesus, it got worse. Are you selling me some fake goods? Or does God really care? So what James is saying is, breathe in, breathe out. Yes, our God is real. And yes, he sent this son, Jesus Christ. So what he's doing is, he's wrote this letter to inspire, to encourage, but also to correct the attitude of the Christians. And that's why we decided to do this series on counterfeit. Identifying what is real. You'll recognize if someone is real or not based on their actions. A real Christian plants their feet and say, though he slay me, yes, I trust him. And despite what's going against me and what's in front of me, I'm going to trust God. But then you have those wannabe Christians, those fake Christians, when the wind blows, they jump off the track and say, I didn't know it was going to take all that. Uh, exit stage left, please. But there are those who's willing to be trained by his word and trained in those experiences. And what James is doing, he's trying to remind them of what they signed up for. So the book of James gives us practical insights on how to handle chaotic situations. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in James chapter 5. James chapter 5. And I'm going to start at verse 7 because these are the words of James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, one who used to doubt Jesus, but yet he saw the resurrected one. He said, wait a minute, now I believe that he is the Messiah. So as we go through these pages of James, I want you to put yourself in his shoes and see if you can get the hope, the help that you can have right now. And we're going to start off at verse 7. It says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. What James is saying is, be patient, pause, because God is not slow in his working. He said the Lord is near. It may not feel like it, but he's near. So what James is saying is, I need you to be patient because God is going to handle What's going on in your life? To illustrate or to give them some more meat on the bones, he says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. Now, I don't know about you. I'm a city boy. However, my roots are from Louisiana, and my family lived there. My dad and his siblings used to live on a plantation. So I heard stories after stories of how hard it was to work on a farm. And many of you probably used to work on a farm or still do. So I would hear these stories of how in the morning the farmer gets up early because he was about his business. Because if you didn't grow, you didn't eat. So when he went there, he was very diligent in his working ability. He would go there and he would... Uh, till the field. He will plant the seed. He will lay down the fertilizer, and then he will wait. He 
await for the harvest to come. Matter of fact, a, a valuable harvest is what James says. Because the farmer was patient. If he took the fruit off too soon, you wouldn't get its value. If you waited to the very end, too late, and you pull the fruit, the fruit isn't as good. It's at the right time. And that's the problem I think we're having today in the stores, because I can't find no good fruit. Amen. I love apples. Now, just because I said I love apples, don't bring me an apple. Amen. Because one Sunday I said I like cake. And someone brought me a cake. Stay in your lane. Amen. And what the writer is saying simply is, is I need you to be patient because sooner or later God is going to answer, but it's in his timing. And it doesn't matter how much blood, sweat, and tears the farmer puts into his project or into the field, there's two things he can't do. He can't make the sunshine and he can't bring the rain. So what the writer is saying is you need to do your part and wait for God to come to do his part. But at the end of the day, you must be patient. Then he goes one step further and he says in verse 8, you too be patient and stand firm. Because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble about one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. My question now becomes is, how are you responding when you're waiting? Are you one who grumbles? I didn't know it was going to take all this. God, you said you're going to save my marriage. It doesn't appear that it's working. You told me I was going to get that promotion. What's taking so long? How are you responding while you're waiting? The Bible says don't grumble, but stand firm. Now, I like the word be patient because if you dive into that word, it means to be even-tempered while enduring trying circumstances. So when all this stuff is going on around you, what James is saying, don't panic. You're in this boat in the water is now beginning to take over the boat. However, you're still floating. So stand firm. And we look at that word stand firm, it means to be cemented in thought, to be unmovable, unshakable. So what the writer's saying is, I don't care what you're going through, stand. Be cemented because sooner or later God will answer you. You just have to allow him, and you must be in the right place as well as the right posture for him to make that happen. And you can tell a real Christian by how they act and how they approach trials and challenges. Now he begins to shift his thought process, meaning James, and he begins to add this encouragement theme. Look at verse 10. He says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. The Bible is full of people who stayed in the race. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. It's there where you find people that didn't give up on what God was going to do. And some of them did not receive the blessing 
while on earth, but they looked for a eternal call. But there's so many people in the Bible that you can lean in on when you're going through trials. If you're going through trials and suffering, I want to point you to Psalms. Psalms has over 70 laments. And what that says is God cares where you are. He can meet you in that brokenness. He can meet you in that sadness. He can meet you in that guilt. He can meet you in that uncertainty, but you must first come. And two of my favorite stories in the Bible is in the book of Daniel. I love Daniel because Daniel was a rebel. He said, I'm on team Jesus. And here the king is saying, you will not pray to know God, but who I say so. And Daniel said simply, who are you talking to? He was so uh, bold with his claim. He went to his house. He opened the window, pointed to the east, and he began to pray in public. When you're going through issues, are you hiding in the closet? Are you making your faith known? The king found out what happened, so they went and arrested Daniel, and they took him and threw him in the lion's den. He didn't cry. He didn't murmur. He just got into the den. And they said, I'll show him. They came back the next day. They pulled the rock away, and Daniel was sleeping with the lion. God kept him in the cave. One of my favorite stories is Sarah, Meshach, and Abednego. Here this king, Nebuchadnezzar, he builds this statue, and he said, you will worship this God. You will worship me when the harps and all these things happen. And then they said, who are you talking to? So then they bring the boys up in front of the, in front of the king. And the king said, is it true? He said, uh, we were not careful how we answer you. The God we serve will save us. But if not, the truth is I'm not going to bow. So do what you must do, O king, because we serve the one and true God. So the king takes them and throws them into the furnace. Oh, you got to read your Bible. It just is powerful. Throws them in the king, and then they're looking to see what's going to happen. And then the king said, um, didn't we throw three in the fire? Well, I see four. And they came out. What am I saying? I don't care if you're thrown in the pit or thrown through the fire. If you trust God, he will deliver. But it's on his timing. And that's what James is trying to get to them. He said, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You need to persevere in this season. Then James went an extra. He began throwing out names. And he thought out one of my favorite, Job. Look at verse 1. He said, you have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Our God is full of compassion and mercy. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows what's in front of you, what's beside you, what's behind you. All he's asking you to do is to trust me in the process. And many of us don't like the process. But here, you must make it happen. So what James does in those first verses is he, he brings inspiration, he brings uh, 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 correction. Now he puts on his pastoral hat, 
And now he wants to begin to start ministering to the people. Look at verse 13. He says, is, there, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The theme is simply, how do you pray? What does your prayer life look like? When trials are in front of you, how do you respond? Do you curse God or do you drop to your knees? Do you ask God to intervene or do you do something else? Because suffering was overwhelming, he was trying to refocus them and say, despite how you're feeling, I want to verge you to continue to trust and lean on God. And many of you in this room or watching online are on the verge of quitting. Uh-huh. You walked in this room today, and you're thinking about quitting. Mm -hmm. You're one decision away from walking out on that marriage. You're about to leave your husband or your wife and your children. Many of you in here are thinking about leaving your job because God told you he got something different for you. Many of you in here are trying to figure life out, and what God is saying, are you in line to what I'm saying? Many of you in here possibly is on the verge of maybe committing suicide. You thought about it, but I want to encourage you and say, hold on. Maybe God is trying to refine you in the process. Maybe he has you on this potter's wheel, and he's the one that's the potter and you're the clay. Just maybe, just maybe he's trying to teach you and I something. Many of us want to jump off the track too soon, and we're going to miss the plan that God has for our life. You want to abort your mission and be derailed because you think there's something better on the other side. But I want to tell you, if you do not graduate this challenge... You will see it again. So I want to give you some encouraging words today. And if you're taking notes, I want you just to write these things down. When trials hit you and you don't know what quite to do, the first thing I want you to do, the text says it. It says, wait patiently. You need to wait patiently. Why? Because God is up to something. Now, this action step is countercultural to the world. Waiting patiently requires submission. Pastor Steve talked about this last week. Are you submitting? One who humbles themselves on the mighty hand of God will be exalted in due time and due season. But the question is, are you waiting patiently? We live in a society where everything is fast. Fast food, fast cash, fast cars. We want everything instantly. We want instant grits, instant coffee, and Instacart. We want everything now. We don't want to wait for anything. And you think that's how you can approach God. It doesn't work that way. God doesn't work on your timing. He works on his timing. And just like the farmer, after you've done all you can do, you still have to wait patiently. Verse 8 again says, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Now, I want to get something clear 
Uh, uh, waiting patiently doesn't mean doing nothing. Waiting without work is laziness. We, just, we, we talked about that. Faith and works must work together. Without faith and works, it's dead. So it's not one or the other, it's both. So while you're waiting by faith, are you working that thing? Are you trusting God to make it work? You're doing it because you love him. It's not for merit. It's saying, because I know who you are, despite what I'm going through, I am a real Christian. There's nothing fake about me. I'm going to move with purpose and power. When you got that power in you, you begin to see it. So what are you doing while you're waiting? While you wait on that promotion, are you being the best employee you can? While you're waiting for God to restore your marriage, are you working on yourself? Not worried about your husband or your wife. While you're waiting for God to heal your body, are you following the doctor's instructions for better health? What do you do while we're waiting? But the next question is, is while you wait, how are you responding? Look at verse 9. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. As you're going through, do you say things like, he got one more time? Mm-hmm. You're on your way to work, and in your head you say, if that coworker says one more thing to me, I'm going to go off. Mm-hmm. Why are you studying for that test? And you don't understand why you got an F. Maybe it's because you didn't study. Uh-huh. Or, or, or you walk in the office and you get a pink slip because you were late for work. I can't believe they fired me. I can't believe you weren't on time. When you're going through the process, how are you waiting? Because God wants to have you in the right position because at the end of the day, he wants to get the glory. And there's no testimony without a test. That's where testimony comes from because you want to show how great God's been. So as you're going through the process, you need to be patient. That's number one. That's number two. You need to stand firm. Now, standing firm requires intentionality and an extraordinary faith. There are situations in your life where you will feel like you can't make it. You will feel like belling out. You may feel like throwing in the towel. You may feel like giving up. But you can't allow your feelings to drive you. You must focus on the facts. The fact is Jesus loves you. The fact is he won't put nothing on you that you can bear. The fact is if you're going through the fire or you're in the water or in a cave, he's there. The question is, is are you leaning into him or is it all about you? Mm-hmm. I love what James did to encourage the people. He brought out a superstar of faith. His name is Job. Uh, not Job. I'm not talking about the book of Job. I'm talking about the book of Job. And Job is fascinating because this is how the Bible describes him. Job 1.3 says he was the greatest man among all the people of the East. What if God wrote those words about you? He was the greatest man. 
which means that in his time, he was the righteous, rich, and most powerful man in the East. That's not a combination happening too much today. He was married. He had 10 children, seven boys and three girls. He was affluent. He had uh, many livestock and herds of all types and kinds. He was the man. But then life happened. And one day, everything was taken from him. I want to walk you down a little bit of Job's life. And I want to know if any of this resonates with you. Job chapter 1, verse 14. It says, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. They were attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who had escaped to tell you. As this conversation is going, look at verse 16. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raid parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and your daughter were feasting and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept from, from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are all dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Have you ever been in a situation where you got up out your bed praying, said, Lord, let your will be done? And you get outside the house, and you get that phone call. You get the work. You get that pink slip. And then your daughter just called you and said, I'm in trouble. I just had an accident. Then you get a call from your mother and said, your father just passed away. How do you do when all that stuff comes? Because here, four different incidents happen within minutes or an hour. I can see Job walking. They came and took it. Okay, amen. This happened. <laughs> okay, we're going to deal with this. Then something else happened. This, four times. How do you respond when that hits your heart? Do you throw up your hands and say, the hell with you, God. It's not working for me. I quit. Or do you take the words of Job? After all of that, look at verse 20. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground and worshiped God. When all that happens in your life, what's your response? The tearing of the robe and the shaving of the head is preparing himself for the throne of grace. When all that happens, you say, Lord, the Lord give it, the Lord take it, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Do you go into worship or do you go into a rage? Do you go into worship or do you go into retaliation? How do you respond when you're faced with all of this? I would ask that you stand firm. Boots laced. You got to find balance. 
in a storm. And as you find balance, you got to wait. After you've done all that, this is what I really want you to lean in. I want you to pray earnestly. So my question is, is how's your prayer life? Are you someone that's a one and done? Are you someone that opens up your closet, takes out a bottle and says, genie, genie, work for me? Hocus pocus. Are you one, someone that thinks God is Santa Claus? Every time you walk by a tree, you think you're supposed to get a gift? How's your prayer life when you're battling something? What is your behavior while you're waiting? Look what James says in verse, chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Here's key. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Are you unstable? Mm -hmm. Are you double-minded? Do you have one foot in and one foot out? I believe the reason why, there's two reasons why many of us don't have the peace in the storm, and we're trying to figure out, this is the first one. We simply don't ask God for help because we think he can't handle it. So why take it to God? Because he, he, he's not real anyway. So you struggle and you strive, but yet there is no traction. If you always do what you always done, you always get what you always got, which is nothing. So what God is saying, I need you to lean into me. And I think the next reason, maybe why people don't get the peace is we're communicating with everyone but God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Here I come. When you're pushed to the limit, what do you turn to and who do you turn to? Mm -hmm. Do you turn to the dope man? Let me go get my fix. God knows my heart. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Do, do you go to the bar? Hennessy and Coke, please. It's been a rough day. Do you run to your mother or your father? Do you run to somebody else's bed? How do you respond when, when temptations hit you, when trouble rises? I don't want you to run to those things. I want you to run to God. Because it's in him where you have peace. It is in him that you have everlasting joy. Run straight to his throne. Look at verse 16. The prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I think the reason why many of us don't have the power of God because we don't know how to communicate with him. So the remaining time, I want to give you this acrostic on how you should approach the throne of God. The acrostic is pray, P-R-A-Y. The P stands for praise. There's always something that you can thank God for. You woke up this morning, you're breathing. God wants his praise because somebody didn't wake up this morning. Mm-hmm. You got a car and you was able to come to church. 
there are some people walking to church. You should thank God. Some of you walk to church because you have no car, but thank God for your legs because there are people who don't have legs. <laughs> all you had last night were beans and rice and some bread, but thank God you ate because there's people who didn't have food at all. There's always something to praise God for. It's in that, that posture of worship that you begin to recognize how good God is, which leads to repentance, which is R. It's in the repentance that you recognize that either you're aligned to God or you're not. Now, there's two reasons why people face trials. One of them is you're just not in line with the Word of God. You're doing things your way. And because of your choices, God has to spank you. Discipline is unpleasant until he brings it around. But some of us are facing trials that we didn't sign up for. I don't think people sign up for cancer. Mm -hmm. It just happened. I don't think people want to lose their mind, their intellect, dementia. It just happened. I don't think someone woke up and, and, and lost their loved one, but some things just happened. So I recognize things happen, whether it's by choice or by God's design and providence, we can still go to him in prayer and say, Lord, I repent because no one is righteous not one, so help me to redefine my status. Which brings you to A, which is ask. You have not because you ask not. And when you ask him, you ask with ill motives. It's about the word of me. But God is saying, does your will, and I will my will, and if so, I will give it, but it's in my timing. Are you asking God? But most important, are you willing to wait, which brings us to the why, which is yield. That's a very interesting word. That word yield means I'm willing to be submitted and submissive to you while you work this thing out. There's three ways God's going to answer you. It's yes, no, and wait. We all like Yes. Dad, can I have that candy? Yes. Dad, can I have the potato chips? Yes. Dad, can we go to Chick-fil-A? Yes. Order me a strawberry shake. We don't like no, but we're going to accept no because no is direct. I said no. You're not having candy at 10 o'clock at night. It's not healthy. No. Okay. But no one likes wait. How are you doing in the waiting process? Because what James is doing, he's trying to give the people pause. He's trying to point them to the cross. It says God loves you so much that he sent his son who died for your sins. And it's just a matter of time before he delivers. But we're in the already not yet, we call it, which is, I have the blessings and the hope now, but I'm also going to have it in eternity. So I first want to talk to those who don't know Jesus. And there's people in this room that don't know Jesus. I'm not naive to think that everyone is following Jesus. How's it going for you? Are you tired of going through changes? Are you tired of being drugged through the mud? Are you tired of stumping your toe? Are you tired of, are you just tired? Here at Sunrise Church, we call it the ABCs of coming to Christ. 
It's just so simple. You just need to admit that you're broken. Listen at these words of James in, in verse 7 of chapter 4. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Yeah, y'all don't like that word. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. You have to come to God's word recognizing that I'm broken. And God doesn't sugarcoat his word. We're all sinners saved by grace. And what God is saying is, I need you to come and I want all of you. Come with a pure heart. Submit to me and I will give you what you need to get through. If you're here that don't know Jesus, I want to walk you through that process. Now I'm putting on my pastoral hat like Paul or James rather. Who's tired among you? Who's broken among you? Who's at their wit's end? If you don't know Jesus, none of it's going to work. I want to pray for you right now. We're going to all close our eyes and bow our heads. This is for you. A means you admit. B, you must believe that God sent his son just for you. And he cares for you. But most importantly, you must commit to him. You must say, I'm done with trying to be me, and I give you all of me. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart. Say, Lord, I'm broken. Today, I'm changing my life. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, just for me. I am now confessing with my mouth. I'm believing in my heart, and now I say yes to Jesus. Come into my heart. Thank you for your love and your grace. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If that was you, I want you to take another step. I want you to text next at 909-281-7797. I want you to say, next steps, I'm chasing after you. There's people behind the scenes with here online that will walk you through the process. After service, you can go outside to the Next Step table. We have men and women that would love to talk to you and pray with you and let you know what you just did. But for all the rest of us, I want to leave you with these words of James. James chapter 112. Write this down. Take a picture of it. Look at it for the next month. These words are powerful. It says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trials because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Hang in there. Don't give up. Trust the process and watch that you will be blessed. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word, dear God. We're thankful, Father God, that you are an amazing God and you love us. I pray, Father God, that you touch every person in this room, in those chairs, Father God. I pray that you meet them where we are. That's including me. Remind us how good, how awesome, how great you are, Father God. And may we not back up from this test or this trial that's in front of us. As we shift gears in offering, Father God, I pray that those who give, it is an act of worship. 
We are a generous church, and those who give, I pray that you bless them, Father God, as they're being obedient to your word. And also those who want to give but have nothing to give, I pray, Father God, that they give you their heart today because that's where it begins. We thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. And we all say amen and amen. God bless you. Church. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.